Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Two places in your Bible. Ephesians 5, hold a finger there, and 1 Samuel 26. The main text is 1 Samuel 26. I'm going to start us off in Ephesians 5. So would you locate both of those? So we're continuing to look at a man or a woman after God's own heart. What is the making of a person such as this? What's the process? It's got to be a process, right? (laughs) It can't just be this overnight sensation thing that goes on. And the good news is that the making of a man or a woman after God's own heart is certainly a process. You get saved in a moment. That is called justification. You get declared righteous in the counsels of Almighty God by the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is much confusion about this. Even in segments of the church, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot merit your salvation. It has been paid in full. However, there is something that you need to do with your salvation. Good works that you are to walk in that God prepared beforehand even from the foundations of the world. And that's in the same section. I just gave you the essence of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that we're saved by grace. And then Ephesians 2, 10 says, yet we're saved unto good works. But good works are what come out of the root of salvation. Salvation is a gift. That is the root. The fruit is good works. Good works are not the root and salvation the fruit. Don't get those confused because if you think your works merit you salvation, now you're on a merit-based system and you're in deep trouble. But it is salvation by grace and then what flows from that, the fruit of that salvation, is a life of gratitude and a life of good works. That's where much confusion lies. You're saved by grace. It's a gift. You don't earn a gift You just simply receive a gift. But you want to live in response to that gift. And that's where, frankly, I will tell you a lot of people go wrong. Let's pray. Father, as we look at wisdom tonight and the shaping of a man or a woman after your own heart, we deeply desire, I think everybody's here tonight because they want to be that. They want to be more molded and shaped into your image. So give us your insight, your wisdom And help us to have the ability, Father, the the mindset to apply it. That's what tonight's really about. So we lay this time at your feet and pray that you would bless it. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to respond to your word in obedience and in just a, a loving gratitude for all you have done for us. We love you, we worship you, and we ask that you'd be glorified tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, some of the staff and leaders had the distinct privilege this afternoon of writing Bible verses on the uncarpeted foyer of the new church building. It was really exciting. Uh, One of our elders, Sammy Caton, had heard David Rosales talking, and he said that before they laid the carpet on one of the new sanctuaries that they had built, 
they had a group of their staff and leaders go down and they they wrote scripture verses and then the carpet was laid over that. They put Bibles underneath stuff and that kind of thing. But they know it's there. And uh, so we went down and there was a handful of us and some people had called in their scriptures because we sent out an email. And we started writing scriptures. And it's amazing, the more of the Bible you get to know, the more scriptures that I wanted to write. And you could certainly monopolize the space really quick depending on how big you wrote the scriptures. And so uh, there is an area in, you know, much of the building is carpeted, but in the foyer. So we had a chance and, we, you know, we're writing scriptures from Psalm 100 and to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and people were writing about the promises of God and it was wonderful and we had the Sharpie out and we knew it was going to be covered in a matter of days, but we still knew that we would know that it's there. And if ever that carpet was pulled up, we know that someone else would find that. So some of us even signed our names to our favorite scriptures. But there's a deeper symbolic message there that I hope you can see. And we gathered in prayer and, you know, uh, some of us were trying to step around the scriptures and then the the phrase came out, I think, Sean, you shared it. It's okay because we're standing on the promises of God. So we stood on top of the written scriptures and prayed. And that's really what tonight's about. It's whether or not you are willing to stand upon what you say you believe. It's whether or not you really want to put feet to what you say really undergirds your life. I've been walking with the Lord for long enough to know that that's the difference between a Christian that walks in defeat or in nominal Christianity and a Christian that's actually living the abundant life. It's really how many of the promises of God do you know and understand and how many are you actually applying That's the difference between a a wise person and a fool. I ask you, which do you want to be? Tonight you are going to see the last interaction recorded in the Bible between Saul and David. After this interaction, all the cat and mouse games that have gone on between these two, all of David's frustrations and everything that's happened, Saul, he's not going to talk to Saul again. Saul is going to go into eternity. Saul's life is over. It's done. And David's had some chances to deal with this guy directly. And we saw a couple chapters ago that Saul came into the cave and David had a chance to take him out, but he refused to do so because he was walking in the promises. But it didn't mean that David was always perfect because remember he ran into Nabal, this foolish man who wouldn't even you know, help out his men after they had guarded his flocks and David was going to kill the guy and it was Abigail who stopped David and basically said, don't do this, don't let this blood, his blood be on your hands, he's not worth it. And then God took care of Nabal and Nabal's name literally means fool. And so you can see this this comes up over and over and over again. It's the, the difference between one who is wise and one who is a fool. In the end, your life will leave a legacy of one or the other. There's not a, little, a lot of middle ground in this life, have you noticed? Either you come to the conclusion that someone lived wisely and they left a legacy that's powerful and lasting or someone was foolish. Not a lot of in-between space there. So the question I throw out to you tonight, by God's grace, is 
Which do you want to be? Wise or foolish? So David keeps running into this wishy-washy, unpredictable character named Saul. He's got to live with this fool and his decisions day after day. He's in the wilderness because Saul is unpredictable. Ephesians 5.15 says these words, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. If you have the New King James, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The NIV says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, As I was growing up, my mother always, without fail, would say to me, be careful when I was leaving the house. Be careful. This is just this blanket phrase. Then it became a little bigger. Then it was, be careful in your dailies. And that meant, be careful in your daily activities. Whatever you're going to do, be careful. So now we kind of joke back and forth. I say it back to her, be careful in your dailies, she says it. But then I became a parent. And, you know, now my kids, two of them are driving, another one's about to drive, and, and now you kind of know what mom was talking about. <laughs> Be careful, right? And, and I've said it so many times that, you know, it's, they could roll their eyes at that. But it's very heartfelt. I want them to be careful. I'm a father. Your heavenly father wants you to be careful too. He wants you to be wise in how you live your life who you let influence you. Here's a definition. Wisdom is not merely knowledge or ability or intelligence or even genius. It is not moral goodness per se. Listen to this. Wisdom is the power and the ability to apply all those things. It is the ability, the capacity to bring all that you know into relationship with the ordinary, practical, everyday things of life. It is application of God's word, applying it to problems, circumstances, relationships, personal challenges, and weaknesses, etc. There are many times when my flesh doesn't want to do the wise thing. Amen? Everybody relate to that one? (laughs) Right? There's, There's an impulse in us that, you know, sometimes wants to do the opposite. And we're all going to fight that. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the secret of wisdom is that one keeps oneself out. (laughs) What one is by nature, by instinct, and all along, uh, one is relating what one finds and discovers to the great fundamental certainties. Martin Lloyd-Jones simply says, if you want to be wise, keep yourself out of it. (laughs) Try not to think in terms of what's best for you and what's in it for me. That's his point. If your eyes are on God and on others, you will probably, most of the time, I'd say the bulk of the time, you will be wise. Here's the idea. What ultimately or who rules you? That's the question that the wise person asks. Who rules you? Who makes the final call when it comes to your decisions in life? Whose way are you truly doing it? And uh, just a quick proverb that says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, Proverbs 3, 13, and 14, and the man who gains understanding. For 
Its profit is better than the profit of silver, and its gain than fine gold. How many people do you know who are out there in the media saying, hey, the best thing that you could do, young person, is find wisdom? Mm, Not sure I'm hearing that much. One more scripture, Proverbs 30. Proverbs is the book filled with wisdom. Go there if you would. Proverbs chapter 30. I want to show you one more before we go into the main text. Proverbs 30. Look at verse 2. Here's what the writer says. Proverbs 30, verse 2. He says, and this will apply to Saul tonight. Proverbs 30, verse 2. He says, surely I am, a, I am more stupid than any man. <laughs> Have you ever been there before? <laughs> On a daily basis? Hopefully not. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of man, of a man. Proverbs 30, verse 3. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fists, who has wrapped the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name? Look at this. Or his son's name. Surely you know. Every word of God, Proverbs 30 verse 5, is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be proved a liar. Two things I asked of thee, do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Lest I be full and full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. This chapter will end tonight if you go to First Samuel. With Saul saying these famous words, I have erred exceedingly and played the fool. You don't want to say those words at the end of your life. This is how to avoid that. Th- these uh, chapters on wisdom these practical lessons on how to do things God's way will keep you from making major mistakes in your life. It's not that you're going to make some mistakes, because you will. But it's all about how to be consistent in your life and to live wisely. So here we go. 1 Samuel 26, 1 says, Then the Ziphites came to Saul, 1 Samuel 26, 1, at Gibeah, that was Saul's homestead, his home place, saying, is not David hiding on the hill of Hakilah, which is before Jeshimon? Now, last we left, the encounter with Saul and David, Saul admitted that he was foolish, that David had repaid him good for evil, and Saul, in basic words, said, I'll leave you alone, I'm going home. And David did not go home, though. Remember what David did? He went back into the wilderness He did not go home, and the reason he did not go home is because he did not trust Saul. Saul made a promise, but Saul was not a man of his word, and people who are fools are not people of their word. You can't trust them. If you want to be a wise person, you have to develop a consistency that your word is good, that if you say, I'm going to do something, that's what you do. You back up your word with actions. Your word is your oath. That's something that I'm still trying to learn, but it's something that everybody who wants to be wise should know. 
So the Ziphites come to Saul, and you would think that Saul's reply would be, oh, no, 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 no. I don't need any more intel on David's location. I'm not worried about that anymore. He and I have settled our problem. Uh, I've humbled myself. I'm not chasing David anymore. We're good. But Saul did not do that. Saul blew with the wind. And so the Ziphites, trying to earn points with the king, came to him, and they said, hey, king, we know where this guy is. Do you want Adam again? And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph. You just have to just write in your Bible there, you dummy. What are you doing? Now, he was probably sitting under his tamarisk tree, knocking back an iced tea, <laughs> analyzing his spear that he had thrown at David on three different occasions. You know, I don't know what was wrong with this guy, but we do know that the spirit of the living God had left him and an evil spirit from the Lord had come and we had looked at that in the past. And now Saul was pretty much operating in his flesh. And anybody who does that, you know, ultimately you don't know what they're going to do. Some people are predictable, some people are not. Saul was not. So Saul gets a little information and that's all it took. No, ah, I don't think so. He's, he's sitting there, he's probably got all these servants around him, and he arises. Having, been, having with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel, this is the same group he had taken out before, and you're going to see parallels between uh, chapter 24 and this chapter. And what did he go out to do to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph? Uh, Saul was the classic double-minded person. Listen to James 1. 5 through 8. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, listen to this, unstable in all his ways. Now, a double-minded man is literally a two-souled, the word in Greek has to do with two souls, and it's this kind of person. Have you ever seen this person? They, They have dual characters that they paint on their body, and down this half of their body, they're one character, and if they turn this way, they're another character. That's a double-minded person, according to James 1. They don't know what they really believe. So even when they ask something, they don't ask in faith because they don't even know what they really believe. They haven't made up their mind if they're really a Christian yet. Have you? You've got to plant your flag at some point. I'm not going to sit here and say you don't have question marks and doubts at times because we all, being honest, would say sometimes we do. But have you planted your flag and said, I am a Christian. Have you come out of the closet? Everybody else is. And said, I'm a Christian. I was in a parking lot many, many years ago, and I had played softball with this guy, and I was a baseball player, and I got on the softball team, and um, lots of the guys were Christians, and they were witnessing to some of us, and I had become a Christian. And this, this man named Tim was a, was a non-Christian. And we started talking in the parking lot after a ball game and some pizza. And he was talking about an obnoxious friend of his that was a born-again Christian. 
You won't believe it. The born again, this guy, the born again. And he's sitting here talking to me, and I'm a born again Christian. <laughs> and so I said, Tim, I'm a born again Christian. And he went, what? You are? And then I thought, boy, there must be a problem with me <laughs> because he doesn't even know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> well, it, it shocked him a little bit, and I began to witness to him, and um, he eventually he came to the church, a church in Orange, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, became an elder at that church. It was really just a neat thing. I'm surprised, you know, sometimes I look in um, the world and, you know, maybe a famous athlete that I didn't know was a Christian, uh, his on-field um, <laughs> ways might not tell me that. I'm surprised how many people are Christians out there that you eventually find out they are. Um, to me, it doesn't make sense to be anything else but a Christian <laughs> with the free offer of grace that we have. But Saul was on this roller coaster. He was a double-minded person. William Barclay says the double-minded person is a, is a walking civil war. They have a war with themselves. They can't seem to decide who they want to be and what they're going to be. The image is powerful. You've heard it before. It's a person that tries to straddle the fence and live in two worlds. One foot is in Christ. One foot is in the world and they sit there on the fence and they haven't decided which side they're going to actually jump over to. And if you picture a picket fence, you've got a really good image. And here's why. I think that person that's a fence sitter is probably one of the most miserable people on the planet. And I can tell you this from firsthand experience because I was that person. For the first four years of my Christian experience, I was a fence sitter. Now, I started leaning more towards Christ as the years, those first four years, came to a conclusion. But I will tell you this there were weekends when I would go back to my old ways, and I'm just being honest with you because I think it can encourage some of you. This is many years ago. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 30 years now. But. There were times when I felt like that walking civil war. And I felt like if as close as I've ever got to an audible voice, the Lord was saying to me, Michael, you need to decide because I want to use you, but I can't have you being fickle. You need to decide where you're going to plant your flag. And so by God's grace, I was able to uh, move in that direction. Look at verse 3. And Saul camped in the hill of Hekilah, which is before Jeshimon beside the road. And David was staying in the wilderness when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. Now you have to think of David here. Put yourself in David's sandals for a second. David had to be thinking, oh no, not again. It's like kind of on, a, on one level he knew it was coming, but I think you all can relate to this. <laughs> you know something's coming, but then when it comes you're like, Oh, no. Here it comes again, or here he comes again. So David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. So now he tried to get a little of his own intel, like, 
Okay, is it Saul and is he really coming and does he have soldiers with him and is there a particular target that he's after and is his name David? (laughs) That's pretty much what he's trying to find out. So, you know, see who it is, confirm that it's Saul, see if he's got an army with him, see if he's just doing sightseeing or if he's changed his mind again. Well, the intel came back, the spies went out The word came to David from the scouting party. Yes, it's Saul. Yes, he has an army with him. Yes, they're looking for someone. And David, we think it's you. Hi, everybody. This is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael. And we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now. It's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time. 12 to 1 Pacific Time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel, we'll have podcasting, where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's, it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And yeah, I just want to tell you guys, keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer. And join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. LivingTruthRadio.org Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to LivingTruthRadio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.